All right, everybody. I got invited to go down to Texas a while ago to the Great Awakening Project. And it was all about activating and partnering with God in this awakening that's happening in the body of Christ across seven spheres of influence. And, and if you guys are not familiar with that, I would encourage you to dig into it or look at some of the interviews we've done in the past with Lance Wall. Now it is some powerful ways that God is moving, but I met John through a good friend of mine, Ford Taylor, who some of you might know, and uh, we had the opportunity to have lunch. And as I heard John's story, uh, just growing up in Cincinnati and everything that you've been through, John, the highs, the lows, challenges, you've been part of city transformation, you've worked with teams to create racial reconciliation inside of Cincinnati. Here's a little bit about uh, your bio, though, because we got some great things to talk about today. You're the founder of Airs, that's H-E-I-R-S, Airs International Ministries, Airs Media Group, and uh, you're the president and CEO of Airs Covenant Church. It's in Hamilton, Ohio. So any of you Hamilton, Ohio folks, if you're looking for a phenomenal church, now you know where to go, okay? Airs Covenant Church. It's just north of Cincinnati, and you're an apostle, senior pastor, you're also the CEO and overseer of the Embassy, amazing place. It's a regional center for kingdom transformation, and that is not just a saying. I mean, we're talking about this is actually happening in the lives of people, in the community, in the businesses, and that's what we're going to be talking about today um, and what it takes to do that. What is the kind of faith in Christ that allows transformation to flow into a a person, a family, a city. It's 140,000 square foot place, folks. Uh, it also is, uh, houses the Gen- Genesis Life and Recovery Center and a number of other kingdom-minded entities. You guys do some great stuff. But John, welcome to the podcast, my friend. Thank you, John. It's a pleasure to be with you, man. And again, I know we were talking earlier and I thought we were recording, but... Uh, I'm glad we're live now, and uh, I'm grateful to the Lord for the opportunity to have have met you as well down in in Texas. It was a great time together, met a lot of people, but you're one that I really remembered, and so I appreciate you responding the way that you did when I shared about my new book coming out that you wanted to uh, get together and, and talk about it. So I'm open to just sharing any questions you have but just ready to delve in, man, and, and see what God does with this time. Well, yeah, and what you're right about, what you speak about, what you and I talked about as we connected on, you know, some of the adversity and challenges we've been through, and also just like the evidence, as we started comparing notes, John, of the evidence of God's hand working directly in our lives, through us and our families, and what you titled the book was Same Faith, Same God, living in the realm of ridiculous faith. Now, who understands ridiculous faith? Like, first of all, what is ridiculous faith, John? Let's start there. Well, let me share a couple of scriptures, and then I'll tie this in. Is that okay? Yes, it is. So Hebrews 11, 1 through 3 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony or report by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. 
in Hebrews 11, verse 6, it says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him or to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And then in Hebrews 10, 38, it says, now the just shall live by faith. If anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. And so those are some of the foundational scriptures for me just in life. When you ask the question, so what is ridiculous faith? And this journey, again, started for me, John, about 40 years ago. Um, uh, newly married, living in California. I moved to California with this thought in mind to become rich and famous and give God the glory in that order. So, <laughs> so I'm out there, newly married, newborn uh, son. And while I'm out there, John, I'm meeting people in the entertainment industry, met one significant recording artist. And I talk about this in the book as well. And, and at that time, once having met him, this was with the, the group Earth, Wind & Fire. You may have heard of them. Uh, some of the listening audience may have heard of them. But a wonderful man who is a Christian believer named Philip Bailey. And, uh, you know, met him, talked about doing some great things for the kingdom of God. And for me, it was about the sense of, okay, I have arrived. This is everything I've been thinking about from a young teenager. And I ended up, you know, having conversations about things we were going to do. And then I'm coming out of my apartment one day, headed to work. And it's as if the Holy Spirit was waiting for me. And as I'm walking to uh, the bus stop, the Holy Spirit says to me, you're going the wrong way. And I said, what do, you, what do you mean? He said, you can go the way that you're going. You will have fame. You have success, but you won't have my presence. He said, or you can turn and go the way that I've chosen for you and I'll be with you all the days of your life. That was a defining moment for me, John, in this. Uh, now, was that an external voice? Did you hear it in your heart, your, your gut? Because, you know, I, I think it'd be great for you to share, you know, as in your journey, there are so many people that want to hear from the Lord. They, they want that guidance, that direction, that nudge. And I think uh, I love to hear you talk about, you know, how you got to the place where you were tuned in, where you could really hear God speaking to you. Well, let me first say, no, it wasn't an audible voice, but it came, it has come out of my walk with God, even as a young teenager. I've always been sensitive to the Lord, sensitive to the things of God. And John, I've been blessed and gifted in the area of, of music and, and uh, exercise that gift in the area of worship and music and songwriting. And so I have this intimate place in God, with God, that allows me to really be able to hear him. And I believe that it's just come out of that, just you know, practicing the presence of God, stewarding the presence of God, yeah. always acknowledging God's presence, which is how I've learned to live and walk in this place. And it's out of that that even while making choices or decisions that may not completely line up with his will or the direction, that I thank God for the sensitivity and the grace to be able to hear his voice. Because when I, when I heard that statement, it shook me. I could hardly work once I got to work. And it was a defining moment that really changed for me the direction which I would go. Because on that day, I ended up calling Philip and we had a great conversation. And I just basically said, hey, 
man, I know we've talked about doing these things together. I said, but, you know, I feel like God's telling me something else. And he and very in a very encouraging way, he said, man, you got to do what God's telling you to do. And so we met. Well, and we to talked, put this in context, this is you having the opportunity to partner with what at the time was one of the biggest artists um, out there or just say, you know what? God's got something else for me. Yes. Yes. I mean, just to put that in context, like I can imagine for a lot of people, they would absolutely be so conflicted about following that. But then that's where the faith comes in, doesn't it? Yes. That's where the faith comes in. That's where the obedience comes in. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about the realm of ridiculous faith, this is what I, this is what I, what I say, what I've written, how God has allowed me to be able to articulate it. The realm of ridiculous faith is a realm that accesses the unprecedented manifestation and demonstration of the power of God. It is the realm of infinite possibilities only limited by one's inability to believe that with God, all things are possible. It is a realm where reputation, position, possessions, dignity, and authority have been abandoned for the sake of the fulfillment of God's divine calling and will. And then lastly, the realm of ridiculous faith is a realm that assaults the logical, challenges the practical, resists the reasonable, defies the definitive, confounds the comfortable, and staggers the stability of the status quo. Staggers the stability of the status quo. Now, here's what I want to ask you. You know what? I, you know what? I've always been a guy who's a goal setter and big goals. And there, mm-hmm. you know, since my recovery and my accident, as I've been building what I'm doing now, there's been a couple times when people have come up to me and says, John, you know what? This is great. And I think you can do this on your own. This sounds like a stretch goal. It sounds great to talk about. But where is God really involved? Because if I'm, you know, think about that. If, if I'm willing to set a goal that I know that I can achieve on my own, even mm-hmm. though it might sound impressive, but I, you know, I, I, I know I can get there if I work really hard. Then I don't need to go to God and have faith. And I've been challenged a couple of times to say, John, you know what? Don't be afraid to think bigger. What is the, what's holding you back between partnering with God in a way that not only blows your mind, but Mm -hmm. blesses the socks out of other people. Yes. And so here's a question for you. How do we go from almost playing small because we're, we're not setting ourselves up for disappointment or failure. Maybe that's how some people see it. And how do Mm -hmm. I truly partner with God? Because when you says, you know, all things are possible. Right. Mm-hmm. And that is, you know, in all, by the way, uh, and I love your thoughts on this, uh, Pastor. Right. All things are possible when it's in alignment with God's will in, in, for, and through your life. And when you are seeking to partner with God and what He is already doing out in the world. But would love your thoughts on kind of those two areas, John. Well, you know, going back to the Hebrews 11 6, where it says, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. So I believe, John, that we can often, what we do is, well, let me say this way. 
the first chapter of my book is entitled by invitation only. Okay, by invitation only. But then I say, but everyone's invited. Everyone is invited into this realm. But you and I, we make the choice to accept that invitation because there are things that we can do that are within our scope to do it, our ability to do it. And so it really doesn't take any stretching of our faith. So what I've found is, and John, in the last three years, you mentioned about the building that we have called the embassy, okay? That was a real stretch of faith for me because at the time that this building became available, a much smaller building became available at the same time. The smaller building we could have bought for $700,000. This building was $1.7 million. And what I felt God was saying to me was, I'm inviting you here. You get to make the choice. Because for every believer, we always get to make that decision. We always get to make that choice, whether we accept the invitation or not. When I talk about same faith, same God, so when we look in the scriptures, he invited Abraham. Abraham accepted the invitation. He invited Isaac, invited Jacob. You can go down through the history of the scriptures and you see that he invited Moses, he invited Gideon, but every one of them had to say, yes, I accept your invitation. Now, going back to something that you said a, a moment ago that, you know, when we are aligning ourselves with the will of God, all that's needed to fulfill what's within his will for us will become available to us at the moment that we need it. Often when we're stepping into the realm, this realm of ridiculous faith, that now when you think about the word ridiculous, there's synonyms like bizarre, ludicrous, silly, stupid, foolish, outrageous. All of those words fit in the lives of those individuals that I mentioned, even in the scriptures. When God called Abraham, Abraham was at the age of retiring. If we looked at it in light of our, you know, our, our culture, and yet God's calling him to do something. And can you imagine, and I write about this and talk about this in the book as well, we see in the scriptures how many responded to the invitation. What we don't often see, know, and, and really get to understand is how their family responded to it. So we know how Abraham responded, but we don't really know how Sarah responded when he said, hey, we're going to move. Where are we moving to? Well, I don't know. God's going to tell us as we go. Now, I don't know about you, John, but if I said to my wife, well, I think I did say two, or we're going to move. I don't know where. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure I did. And thank God I'm still married. Been married 42 years now. But that place of ridiculous faith really is by invitation. And we consciously make the choice over and over to accept that invitation and walk in that place. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, 100%. Um, 
And I'm just thinking of, can you imagine, you know, back then, you know, how Sarah responded initially to Abraham. Now, fast forward a very long period of time. And now Abraham's like, honey, I'm, I'm, God told me to take our son up to the mountain and sacrifice him. Yes. And you know what I just found out? I was talking to a friend of mine, it's a Bible scholar, and Mount Moriah is the same place where Abraham took Isaac is where Jesus was crucified. Mm. I never connected Mount Moriah. You actually look at Mount Moriah, that is the same place. There's so many incredible, just how God loves us so much to put all this together to communicate to us. Yes. But, you know, I want to bring up the, like, a personal story, like, to bring this down, like, radical faith. Um, you know, all things are possible. How many people out there right now are probably in a marriage that just feels like, you know what, what's the point? Like, we're done. I'm over. Or maybe a relationship with your kids that is so broken and damaged. It feels like for the rest of your life, they're going to be a stranger. Mm-hmm. You know? God is a God of absolute restoration because, you know, there was a time, you know, Don and I, our marriage, this is leading up to my accident. We've talked about it, her and I, I'm convinced had the accident not happened and we really understood our relationship with the Lord, we wouldn't be married today. And as I'm recovering Mm -hmm. and I got this brain injury and I'm not myself, but all of a sudden we started believing in the vision that we could be the same couple we were when we you know, had met. We're now married 34 years. We're sitting on the couch last night. I don't know, uh, listening to music, holding hands, laughing and talking. Now that is a vision, you know, 10 years ago that I honestly, that, that was pure faith that we could actually get back to a place like that. So it's not, mm-hmm. you know, about like being, you know, like an Elon Musk of the world and becoming a billionaire. I'm talking folks, you know what, when you're looking at things in your life, your relationship, your kids, your impact in your community, that problem that just gets you righteously angry. And as we pray into that, God will show you the next small step that you need to take. Yes. Join him in actually creating something beyond beautiful. Yes. You know, John, one of the things as you were talking about your marriage, talking about life, because the thing that I have endeavored to be intentional doing and writing in this book is making it real clear that this isn't about a perfect life. This isn't about a perfect path, but it's really about the grace of God. Because I, like you, John, my wife and I, Marisa, we've been married 42 years now. But Congratulations. Can, That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's a miracle. It's, it's God. <laughs> Because as you were sharing uh, just a moment ago, one of the things that I that I share in the book, and if I can, just let me read this small little paragraph because yeah, it please. speaks to the re- speaks to the reality of walking in this place of faith, the price that we pay on a very personal level. But it says this: in 1997, when Ayers Family Worship Center started, my wife and children were the founding members. Let me go back and say this first. I, I, I write in the book a, a, a part called A Word from the Author. And I share from, you ever see a movie called Vantage Point? I don't think so. Is that okay, the surfing movie? movie? What'd you say? Is that the surfing movie? No, no. Oh, okay. No, this is, this is a movie that's a plot about 
an explosion that happens during an international treaties talk, okay? The movie's called Vantage Point. The reason why it's called Vantage Point is because there's three individuals who all see it from different vantage points. So in the movie, you see it from each one of their vantage points and then how it all comes together at the end. So what I talk about in this, the beginning of my book, I say this, you and I do the same. We all may see and experience the same events from different vantage points through different lenses and with different impact. And so for myself, my wife, my five children, of course, who are all grown now, we have 10 grandchildren now. What I had to wrestle with, John, in writing this book is that they had different vantage points than me. And as a result of that, I had to have some very sensitive, very heartfelt, tearful conversations because in endeavoring to walk in this place of ridiculous faith, for some of them, they didn't understand it. Mm. Why is dad doing this? Why is, why is my husband doing that? And so this is what I write as part of it, John. In 1997, when Ayers Family Worship Center started, it's 25 years now, my wife and children were the founding members. As the ministry grew, we each took on the roles within the church, ushers and greeters, children's ministry, youth ministry, facilities, adult ministry, counseling, worship team, etc. While this allowed our family to spend time together, I recognized the line between family and ministry was often blurred. I did not always set boundaries that would consistently demonstrate my family as my priority. My legacy is my children. In more recent years, my family and our children, who are now adults, have each shared with me from their vantage point how they viewed and were affected by my journey, our journey of faith. I hadn't completely understood how each of my children internalized their life as a pastor's child, desiring, as all children do, more of their father's attention. I hadn't completely recognized nor understood the pressure my wife felt to respond favorably to the call of ministry on my life or the loneliness she felt for many years from my time given to the ministry of others. Some of the things shared were painful for me to hear, but I am grateful that it opened the door for much needed conversations that allowed me to bring clarity to some decisions I made, ask forgiveness where appropriate, and by God's grace, bring healing where needed in our relationships. And as I have learned what it means to, to my wife and children to support them, to be present with them, I have attempted to provide what they need to be confident they are and have always been my priority. So just kind of thinking about what you just said, John, when we talk about same faith, same God, when we talk about living, walking in this realm of ridiculous faith, it, it, is, it comes with a price. It comes with a price. And oftentimes that price is paid by others as well, our family members. At the end of the day, for you and I, particularly with our spouses, it really comes back to the covenant, the covenant we made with each other, the covenant we made before God. And that's what I believe God honors. And I believe that's when 
the grace is there to navigate through any and all of the things that come with our pursuit of purpose and destiny. I have no doubt, John, that you and I are very similar in our passions, in our drive, whether we want to call it success or whether we just want to call it, you know, the pursuit of purpose and destiny and being all that God has called us to be. And in that, what I know to be true now that I didn't really understand in my younger years is that every decision has an impact for the good, bad, or indifferent. And that's where, for me, I'm grateful that I can recognize the grace of God, the mercy of God, the love of God in every instance. And I'm grateful to God that all of my children love God, all of them are Christians, and my three sons are raising their children in godly households. At the end of the day, I didn't write this book to present it as a man of great faith and power. I wrote it as a man broken before God, passionately in pursuit of him, and wanting to share a story, if you will, that would help others to recognize that God has great things in store for all of us. It does come with a price, but if we remain faithful to him, it all works out. You know, I, your voice, just as you share, I, I, I can just hear as you share that journey, you reflecting on some of those points that were probably very challenging personally, emotionally, you know, and as you went through that, especially, I think, you know, you know, as you got older and you reach back out to your wife and your kids to understand their vantage point back when you were just on fire and doing what you were called to do. Right. And it could be people listening that are building a company, building a career, they're building their family. They're trying to reconnect. But in that, you, if you could go back to that time when you were in the middle of your busyness in, in, in building the church, what advice would you give your younger self that you've learned through this last many years? Slow down. Mm. Pay attention. If you're married, pay attention to your spouse. If you have children, Pay attention to your children and not just the attention that you think that you want to give. If I had to do it over, I thank God again, by his grace, we're able to have these conversations now. But if I had to do it over, I would have asked God to show me how to accomplish what he's called me to do and give me the grace to help my wife, my children to truly understand why I am making the decisions that I'm making. And when I say slow down, if I had to do it over, there's probably a couple of things I would not have done in the season that I did them. Because what we don't recognize, those of us who, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're a CEO, whether you're a business owner, whether you're in, you know, um, more traditional areas of what we might call ministry or whatever it is, I didn't recognize the price that my wife and my children were paying without having the opportunity to say, I'll pay that. And by God's grace, John, again, 
none of my children are lost. And I've heard too many stories about individuals who did succeed. And on the larger scale, the larger platform, they're recognized for their successes. But when you take a look at family, when you take a look at their lives and their personal lives, there's a cost that they, there's a price they've paid. You know, I heard a definition the other day of, of what wealth is, true wealth, and I loved it. It is everything that you have in your life after all the money is stripped away. Think about that. Your relationships, your life, your impact, the people that are going to say, you know what? When I got to work with John Stevenson 20 years ago, it's why my life is where I'm at today. Not just your mm. kids. I mean, think about, but, you know, in that, as you're talking, because, you know, this is popping into my head. This is the places, you know, that, where the, my faith has been, I guess, challenged. Because I mm -hmm. believe as we're walking on this path, right, there's an enemy out there that wants to knock us off the path. And he is radically focused on that one singular mission. Good thing is we're in partnership with the Lord, but we have to understand that. Now, as I've gone through life and I've made bad decisions and I had regrets or I'm like, oh, what if I did that? What if I had made this decision? What if I didn't blow up at my son? What, what if, what if? And when you're a what if or all of a sudden I have had some real you know, areas of some, maybe some self-doubt. It's in areas that I've opened myself up for driving a wedge into that faith completely self-imposed. And, and I don't know if you can relate to that, but I'd love to maybe talk about how you've matured as you actually look back on some of those things you did in life that were like, yeah, that might not have been the best choice at the time. <laughs> one of the, one of the uh, painful realities for me was having to sit down with my, my oldest son, mm. uh, who is now 42, be 42 later this year. And now he's married and has, you know, two children, our oldest grandchild, grandson named Bishop. And having to sit down with him, or I'm gonna say having the opportunity to sit down with him and really hear his heart around what he felt and thought about the decisions, my decisions, and how they impacted him. And one of the things he said to me, John, he said, you know, Dad, I don't understand some of the decisions you've made and, and, and why we had to move. See, John, our journey started in Columbus, Ohio. Then we moved to Cincinnati, Ohio. Then we moved to Shippensburg, Pennsylvania. Then we moved back to Cincinnati. And my son said to me, he said, I don't have any childhood friends. He said, because we kept moving. He said this question to me. He asked me this question. He said, doesn't God consider the children? That was painful. And I said, he absolutely does. And I went on to share with my son, again, who's now a grown man, some of those decisions that were made and why they were made. And once we had the conversation and we both cried, I asked him to forgive me because 
again, John, I recognize now that it would have been better to give more time to some of those decisions. And once he and I talked and I shared some things with him around how certain decisions were made and, and how in my heart, I felt like this is what God was saying. It helped him to understand. It kind of altered his perspective. And we were able to both rejoice in the grace of God evidence through our lives and and his life today as he has a wonderful wife wonderful careers and again you know loving god raising the children in uh in loving god as well so you know what john there's a couple things you did in there i I just want to point out because i think it's so it's so powerful first of all you knew that things were not right, unsettled with your son because of things in the past. And you, you approached him with, from a place of really wanting, seeking understanding, a place of love and a place of curiosity. And, and what I heard there, which is something that a lot of us have to work on is I, you know, is, you know, Hey dad, like I'm mad because I don't have friends or I don't understand this or why did you, and those are areas where we can tend to be defensive. Yes. But guess what? If we stick in there and I want to truly understand that other person's point of view, I'm going to listen and I'm going to ask questions and I'm not going to explain until they have been able to share everything. And then what you did is you went back and said, Hey, here's, here's what I was thinking and how I made that decision. And, not to justify it, but to explain the context to them. So maybe they still disagree with your decision, but they understand why you made it. But in that you are also able to, like you said, apologize yes. because, Hey, I didn't understand. You know what that starts to do that, that starts to build a trust and a level yeah. of caring. And I got to tell you, I've seen more relationships healed when you take that approach that you truly value and care about the other person's point of view and their opinion and their experience without the need to be right. And it's in that need to be right that I have basically seen relationships destroyed. And if you're struggling, I'll just tell you, if you're listening out there right now, if you're struggling with your relationships, there's only one thing you need to do. And that is to look in the mirror. In my opinion. Yes. Yes. And that is, can be one of the most painful things to do, John, to look in the mirror. And oftentimes that mirror is our spouse, how they see us. That mirror is our children, how they see us and being open to hearing them. Because see, John, it wasn't just my son. It was my daughter. I have one daughter. I have five children, four sons, one daughter. My daughter's the second oldest. Okay. She just turned 40. And we've had to have similar conversations because being the oldest, they're going to be the most impacted by those decisions made. And by the time our third, uh, our last three sons, all of their, all of their vantage point is completely different than the two oldest. And so all those conversations have been different conversations, but by God's grace, John, and by God's mercy, 
he's allowed me to be able to sit with them. And even when I felt the tinge of being defensive, I, I crucified it, you know, because I knew that that's not what's need. That's not going to help any of us. And at the end of the day, John, you know, I heard a statement said that inheritance is what you leave behind. Legacy is who you leave behind. And at the end of my life, I want my children to be able to say that my father loved God and my father loved me. Mm. And all that comes with that, all the in-between stuff, I told my children, I said, this book, before I did anything with the book, I gave it to each of them and my wife and asked them to read it. And that's what opened the door, John, for some of the painful conversations, but needed conversations, because their vantage point was different. And for those who may be listening, who are right in the middle of their career, right in the middle of their call, I would hope that as a result of this time of sharing with you, that it may help them with just a moment of pause, even if it's just a kind of, maybe everything is fine, but it's still great to pause and just make sure everything is fine. Mm. And if it's not, then really ask God what is needed. I Well, you know, uh, here's what, something I've had to learn to do, John, is... Uh, you know what we got? We have these voices in our head and how we're thinking about who we are and how to show up. And I had to start asking myself that inner monologue is whose voice am I listening to? Is this God speaking to me right now? Like you were talking about as you're walking to the bus stop or is mm -hmm. the enemy watching me? He doesn't want me to have this amazing marriage. And all of a sudden my wife does something. I'm thinking, oh, that old nag hag in a bag did this again. Well, guess what? Mm -hmm. That is not how my God speaks to me. Mm -hmm. Here's what I've had to honestly remind myself. You know what? Um, in scripture, it says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And when mm -hmm. darkness comes into your mind and your thoughts and your conversation, the habit that I have made is I said, you know, dear Lord, I don't know if that thought's from you. And if it is not, Lord, I, I just pray that you capture it under you and take it as far away from me as the East is from the West. Mm -hmm. And do you know that 99 out of 100 times immediately, that thought, that criticism, that defensiveness, it just dissipates. Yes. Because God is constantly with you. He abides in us, and he wants us to abide in him. And folks, if you can just remember that as you're listening to John, and, and I, I also just got to share something, Mr. Stevenson. When we were at that lunch and I'm, everybody's kind of in, in the car and we're going there together and, and I think you had to use the restroom because I sat at the table because I'm like, man, I sure hope he sits next to me because there is something about this guy. And you did. You sat right next to me to my left. I'll never forget it. And sitting there, you know, I could sit here and literally go on and have a conversation with you for hours because just your your wisdom, your experience, the road that you've traveled, it's just so evident, um, your gentleness, but with a powerful strength. I just thank you so much you, for Joe. being here and for this time. And I, I do want to share real quick, you can connect with 
John at Heirs Covenant. That's H-E-I-R-S covenant.com. The book is Same Faith, Same God, Living in the Realm of Ridiculous Faith. Folks, I I wouldn't have the life I have right now. I wouldn't, you know, in John 10, 10, he says, I've come to give you life. So yes. you live it to the full. How many of us actually feel like we've we're there? And you know what? That is not some elusive goal that God set for us. It's like, no, it's what he wants for us. And in that yes. is faith. I would encourage you folks. I know we have a, we have a, you know, I love reading, but this is a book that I would just encourage everybody to not only get and read, but to share with somebody. And in that, you know, John, as we kind of wrap up and so forth, as I'd love for just to open up the mic and share any final thoughts you have. If you want to pray with the audience and you feel so led, go ahead. And this is a place we can do that too. And I just want to turn it over to you. Thank you. Thank you, John. Just so that the listening audience recognizes that there's various seasons that I talk about as it relates to the book. There's the move that we made and all these things tie into that place of ridiculous faith. And um, then I also talk about a health challenge that I had, and that mm. started in 97 where it's cancer, right? Yes, I was diagnosed with having uh, prostate cancer. And um, in 97, basically PSA level was elevated. And I began to just walk in faith and continue to talk to God about it. I believe in the miraculous healing power of God, John, but I also believe in the miracle of medicine. I believe that God has given us incredible, incredible knowledge, insight, and gifting that allows us to do the things to help one another, take care of one another. But that was a 15-year journey for me, and I talk about that in the book of really waiting on God to hear from God. One of the things I learned in that time, John, was a very simple prayer that I want to share with the audience. And it was this, Father, what are you requiring of me in light of what I now know? Just that simple prayer. Because every time I went to my doctor and he would tell me something, I would leave that doctor and I would say, Father, what are you requiring of me in light of what I now know? Because sometimes we pray as if we have to inform God. And we think we're praying out of that place of faith. But it's a lesser place of faith when we pray, like we've got to tell God what's going on and then ask him to fix it. And when he is saying, wait a minute, who do you think has been taking care of you all of this time, all of your life? And so I wanted, I wanted to offer that. And then also, I wanted to share real quick these words that I wrote in, uh, in the book that really go back and speak to, if you will, my life, all of my life, at the end of my life. This would be my life song, if you would. And it's, and it's entitled, He Sent Me After Glory. I believe this is every believer's statement. And it's this. And I wrote this barely based on going back to California when I made that decision to lay down what I was doing to pursue God. And it says this, John, it's not the way I would have chosen for me. It's not the place I would have gone on my own. But I remember the day I surrendered and I remember the word he spoke to me. He sent me after glory. It's not the plan that I believe would succeed. It's not the goal that I was once striving for. But I remember the day I surrendered and I remember the words he spoke to me. He sent me after glory. He sent me down a road less traveled on. He told me to be faithful and that his grace would keep me strong. 
He sent me after glory to a place that few would understand. He said, one day all would clearly see. He sent me after glory. And so that's how I'm endeavoring to live out my life, that God gets the maximum glory out of my life. And I'd like to say to the listening audience, to everyone who loves God in pursuit of God, or even someone that comes across this podcast somehow who really doesn't know God, that his intention is the same for all of us. We were all created with purpose and destiny in mind. We were all created with a call on our lives. And for each one of us, the Bible says we've been given the measure of faith. It's that faith that causes us to be saved. It says, for by grace are you saved through faith. But it's also that same faith that we have that he's given us to exercise it, to grow that faith so that we are able to walk out everything that he's purposed to do in us and through us in every area of life. And so my encouragement for those that are listening is that they would continue to pursue God and also pursue that place of ridiculous faith. That whatever, whatever it is that God is requiring that seems to be impossible, he would not bring it to you except that he has the ability to bring it to pass through you. I love, love what you just said. Think about this, accepting the gift through grace of that infinite love of our salvation in Jesus. That is yes. an act of ridiculous faith. Like I am putting my <laughs> faith in the belief that Jesus died for me. Yes. And what you're saying is you, in that, if you have accepted Christ as your savior, you actually already have ridiculous faith. Yes. And something at this point is you're, you're not bringing that now into all the other parts of your life. So it's already there. It's not something you have to go find and create and dig into. It's actually about tapping into what is already there and yes. letting that flow out into in partnership with the Lord into all these other places to just enrich. And that, that doesn't mean things get easier. That was one of my confusions when I became a new believer and then my next business failed. I'm like, seriously, like I thought I got the easy button, but no, I found out it doesn't really, it doesn't work that way. But guess <laughs> what? So God doesn't always promise us an explanation for all this stuff we have to work through as people. That's what correct. he does promise us though, is that whatever life does throw at us, he is there to walk with us through it. Yeah, that is, that right. is a promise. It is. And that's what he said to Paul in Corinthians. When Paul was crying out to be set free from whatever he was dealing with, whatever that affliction was, God spoke to him and said, my grace is sufficient. My strength is perfected in weakness. And I don't know about you, John, but I continue to draw on that grace every, every mm -hmm. day. I would not be where I am today, would not be doing what I'm doing today, uh, probably would not still be married today had it not been for that grace. And uh, I thank God for his, his love for me, unconditional love for me, and uh, the opportunity to serve him in the ways that I have the opportunity to serve him now and to serve the people of God and to serve all people. Would you mind as we close, John, 
just praying for, you know, anybody out there who's listening, who is hearing this conversation, they're like, you know what, I need to really reconnect to the vine, to Jesus, or I really, I'm at the place in my, my life where I want to know him for the first time. I want to live that life where I am just resting in that ridiculous faith and that relationship. Would, would you mind closing us that way? Thank you, John. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to pray first and foremost, Father, for those who may not know you. Father, I pray that anyone that comes across this particular podcast, having heard the testimony of what we share today, that their heart would be stirred, God, that if they don't know you through the salvation of Jesus Christ, that this would be their moment, their opportunity to be drawn into that place of accepting your grace and your love, opening their heart and receiving Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And I thank you for your faithfulness to do that right now. Father, I also pray for my brothers and sisters all over the world, Father, who are already walking in levels of ridiculous faith. Father, I pray that, Lord, there would be the sense of an intentionality to continue to walk in that place of faith so that everything we do would be pleasing to you. Everything we do would be in that place of giving you the opportunity to accomplish all that you have intended to do in us and through us. Father, I pray for those who may be somehow struggling with any sense of failure, that they would not uh, stay in that place, but recognize that you are, the, you are the God that redeems, you are the God that restores. And I thank you, Father, for that redemption. I thank you for that restoration. I thank you, Father, that you are the one who sets everything in order, sets us in place, and you never give up on us. And so I thank you that your word is alive and working in our lives. And as we walk in faith, as we walk in that place of obedience and trust in you, your best life for us will be fulfilled in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Okay. <laughs> Sorry to shout there, folks. All right. Do this, folks. You just listened to an amazing conversation. Go find somebody in your life, in your world, in your family, at work, a buddy, and go just share this episode with them. I know it's going to bless them. And with that, folks, keep knocking them alive out there. John, thank you for who you are and for just showing up and just being so awesome. <laughs> thank you, John. Thanks to you, buddy. All right. Cheers. <laughs>